You're listening to the FMC podcast. Thanks for tuning in. All right, we're back on the FMC podcast. I'm Matt Spazali. And I'm Jonathan Keel. Glad to have you with us um, on this November 19th, uh, World Day of the Poor. So we'll start off with a prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we we come before you, um, thanking you and praising you for your goodness, Lord. Um, we thank you for the gift uh, of the poor um, to us. We thank you for showing us uh, who we need to love, Lord. Showing us uh, yourself in in the poor, and we pray for them. We ask you to. Uh, to bless them and just always give those of us who have uh, what we need and any of us who have more than we need um, to remember the poor, uh, not to be indifferent, not to be apathetic, Lord, but um, to be compassionate to our brothers and sisters, uh, whatever their circumstances, rich, poor, um, no matter where they are. Give us that insight into them, uh, into their hearts, Lord, to see you there. Yes. Praise you. Pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. So, as I said, um, today is the World Day of the Poor um, for, for the Catholic Church. Pope Francis declared this. This is the first one. We have World I don't know how many other world days we have, like, I don't know. Um, there's world, you know, World Youth Day, we've got World Mission Sunday. Um, right, there's a, um, there's a World Communications Day. So, uh, yeah, uh, there, there, there are a lot of world, you know, <laughs> world days um, that sometimes you don't even hear about. At church. Yeah, here we go. Here's a quick Rello rundown. Okay. We have the World Communications Day, World Day for Consecrated Life, World Food Day, World Day of Migrants and Refugees, World Mission Day, World Day of Peace, World mm-hmm. Day of the Sick, World Day of the Prayer for Vocations, World Youth Day, and World Day of the Poor. Okay. So, um, Pope Francis, uh, last year, when did he actually? Yeah, uh, no, earlier this year in July June, or June. Yeah, yeah. Um, declared this an, the first annual World Day of the Poor. So we're gonna um, look over his document and uh, just a short um, letter and and talk about that, or just talk about the poor, or talk about experiences with the poor. Um, I think Pope Francis is obviously right on the money with his emphasis here. Uh, Jesus tells us to love the poor. Uh, it's it's. I guess I have the well. This is great. Um, I like right at the beginning. He says he quotes from the uh, first letter of John. Little children, let us not love in word mm-hmm. or speech, 
but in deed and in truth. End quote. These words of the Apostle John voice an imperative that no Christian may disregard. I just wrote in the margin, like, bam! It's just <laughs> right out of the gates. There's a clarity in in this imperative. You know, I mean, no Christian may. I, I like I like the force. That he's coming out with, and it, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's a topic very dear to his heart, as it should be for for all of us. Yeah, I um, I, I think of a quote I read uh, uh, about Mother Teresa and the Ducat just recently, and it said, uh, "Many people are talking about the poor, but very few people talk to the poor." Mm-hmm. And one of the calls for this day is uh, for us to go and encounter the poor. And, and I think, you know, so often we talk about the poor, we blame usually the opposite political party for there being people who are poor, or we say things like they're poor because uh, they don't work hard. Uh, I remember going into missions um, in 2012, I was an, a, a delegate uh, to the state Republican State Convention in uh, Georgia uh, for Ron Paul, and uh, I remember I went to, I had my views, uh, especially just from living in uh, the world that I knew. Um, I had my views, and going into missions, going down to Mexico, and <clears throat> within really within weeks my whole world was kind of flipped upside down because I saw people who worked so hard and yet uh, would never they had no opportunities they they really had no there was nothing that they could do uh, to rise very far above where they were at no matter how hard they worked they were just not given the opportunities that uh, we assume are given everyone and you know we're we hear so often of, of these people who uh, they act as though um, the reason they're rich is simply uh, you know they worked really hard right. they blood sweat and tears and uh, it's theirs how dare you take it from them and uh, there, that that really isn't when we talk on a global scale especially that that idea that that model kind of falls apart because of the injustice of people who don't receive education uh people who don't really have an opportunity to um get capital in order to uh start a restaurant or to start a, a business of their own they live on they're, they're barely surviving working 12 hours a day i met a woman martina i remember working her and her husband worked and they lived in a house with three walls. They were both worked full time, but they, she was, she had a mental problem and, <clears throat> you know, he, uh, I don't know if he did, I didn't know him as well, but they were street sweepers and got paid about 30 cents a day. I mean, it was, you see, uh, last year I knew a guy named Crespo uh, in my in my town of Leon Prado in Peru, and he worked 12-hour days taking care of pigs and was paid $3. And 
he had a family and it just it was impossible for them to even live off that he had to set up traps up in the mountains to uh to hunt you know armadillo and and wild uh pig and things with in order to just survive and when you when you when you encounter the poor when you actually sit down and talk to them and I, and I'm not talking about simply you know the homeless person uh who's living in downtown new orleans <clears throat> um i'm not even talking about uh the people who uh, live in the city, although that plays a role in it, but just throughout the world, throughout even our country and, and much of rural America, you encounter a lot of poverty as we saw up in the Indian Reservation in Montana, which was by no means urban. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah, you do, there's all kinds of levels of, of poverty, definitely, um, and no, it's interesting. I, I'm, it makes me think of uh, this. Uh, we, we did it. We talked about it in one of our podcasts before. I went to this Missio Congress, um, so the, the Pontifical Mission Society's uh, Congress in Orlando, and I, I was in the group um, focusing <coughs> on the poor. And one of the exercises we did or one of the discussions we had was basically just naming every piece or or shred like every thought of poverty that we could think up like what is poverty mm-hmm. um and i i think as a function just of the fact that we had to sit in a room and do this people kind of started getting creative and saying, well, you know, I, there's there's this poverty, but the worst poverty is the spiritual poverty of of you know Americans or something like that. Like, and I don't think that everyone really thought that, but we had to keep coming. It was like, okay, and what else? The the and the facilitator was so like we had to come up with that. But I think that's also a kind of a trap we can fall into is like um, if everything is poverty then nothing mm-hmm. is poverty you know so mm-hmm. like what are we talking about and I I'm, I think it, clearly material goods are not all that we need so to say that poverty um you know what is poverty to not have what you need mm-hmm. um then we then you could say well even a person who has all he m- needs materially is poor if he doesn't have what he needs spiritually and i believe that that statement is true and that obviously as catholic missionaries our philosophy is to always um address the spiritual need if you know always address spiritual need but I believe that what the Pope is asking us to focus on and what Jesus meant by the word poor is material materially poor Um, and uh, maybe 
Um, well, no, uh, yeah, I think materially poor. I mean, lone, the lonely are another group, and the, but, um, I don't know. And I was just thinking about that that discussion. I remember raising that objection, and I don't kind of got the people who had who had said, "Well, I like," or who had said. Talked about the other poverty, which even you know, Mother. They brought up Mother Teresa's quote about you know, it's. I see more poverty in the United States than in the slums, or and I don't know what her exact quote was, but she was referencing spiritual poverty. Um, again, I think that that. I obviously uh, think that that is. A major need, but. I think it can be, I mean, she clearly served the materially poor as mm-hmm. well, and mm-hmm. lived with them, and, uh, you know, died among them. Um, we're, I think we're, that's what this is calling us to focus on. If we, if we kind of equivocate, or, or like, yeah, equivocate all, equalize all of these different types of poverty then there's no urgency to any certain Mm -hmm. one of them Mm -hmm. um but (laughs) if if they're children dying of starvation that's uh, we need to address that you know and Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. um i'm not trying to lead lead into this oh no no I, i know i know there's a um (laughs) <laughs> There's an an inflammatory quote that we were talking about that who maybe we'll say it at some point in this podcast, but um, I, I wasn't trying to lead Jonathan into it. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that <clears throat> you know has um, struck me is I think you know when we the first thing that really sticks out to me as I was reading this. Uh, this message was that our identity as Catholics is related to our relationship with the poor. And so at one point, um, Pope Francis uses uh, St. John Chrysostom, and he says, you know, if you want to honor the body of Christ, don't scorn him when it is naked. Don't scorn it when it is naked. Do not honor the Eucharistic Christ with silk vestments and then leaving the church neglect the other Christ suffering from cold and nakedness. And he um, and he kind of um, develops, I wouldn't say it's his own idea by any means, It's but the true Catholic identity, he says, the earliest community realized that being a disciple of Jesus meant demonstrating fraternity and solidarity in obedience to the Master's proclamation that the poor are blessed and heirs to the kingdom of heaven. And really... The poor are the heirs of the kingdom of heaven, not us. We, we are, uh, you might say, adopted into the kingdom of heaven, but the gospel was preached primarily to the poor, not to the, uh, you know, spiritually poor. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He wasn't when he said, um, you know, that the prisoners would be set free. He wasn't simply talking about prisoners of addiction or something of that nature like Jesus is speaking about physical things 
And one of the things that I think, um, I was talking to another missionary this week, that this is so important that we understand our true Catholic identity is wrapped up in the works of mercy Mm -hmm. and not in external shows of pomp and circumstance. And so often, I worked at a Catholic school for many years in Macon, Georgia, and I loved it. But I remember running into people who would criticize the school's Catholic identity, saying it wasn't Catholic enough. And it always referred to, they didn't see enough uh, Catholic signs and symbols on the walls. Mm. The chapel was barren. They didn't see, you know, uh, statues. Yeah, and they they didn't um, hear Catholic lingo. they didn't see a focus on um, a, a, enough focus on pro-life, uh, really just um, pro-life in the sense of uh, abortion, not really pro-life in the sense of all life. They basically just was very limited, but their idea of Catholic identity, um, <clears throat> really, if you would have said what about the works of mercy like that didn't play a role that's not something that's easy to um kind of put up on the wall is like hey the works of mercy it's an action whereas uh how you celebrate the liturgy i'm not saying that's not important but our identity is not found as john chrysostom points out our identity is not found in the silk vestments and the you know King James, Dewey Reams, English, or, you know, the the Latin that it came from, that's not who we are as Catholics. Our Catholic identity is rooted in the works of mercy. And if you look at the catechism, its four pillars are the creed, the liturgy, which is a celebration of the faith, and then the life in Christ section. We're talking about the commandments and the works of mercy. Um... (coughs) excuse me true catholic identity if you want to know if your church is truly following jesus then look at how they reach out to the poor and i will tell you that uh the churches that begin reaching out to the poor are set afire yeah at least all the ones that i've seen and oftentimes the churches that really they're kind of sunday church people they they go and they just kind of do the liturgy and then, you know, maybe like a little coffee with the pastor afterwards and that, then that's it. These churches, um, these are the, the navel-gazing type of churches that Pope Francis is calling us out of. Yeah. The church doesn't exist for herself. The church exists to save the world and the church exists uh, to bring Jesus and his love and the work, his mercy, the works right. of mercy to the world. Yeah, I, I, I like as you said, um, the f- faith being set afire by encountering the poor. That's I can testify to that in my own life. Um, I had about as Catholic an upbringing as a person could have um, to. Two of my uncles are priests, um, a very devout family, 
went to Catholic schools, um, but and, and there through various things, um, I was very faithful, but I wasn't radical on fire, willing to do anything for Jesus until I went and saw poor people in Mexico. That was I went on a mission trip with Family Missions Company and and we didn't I mean looking back on it it wasn't even the most profound poverty that I've seen now it probably was up at that point um, we were building you know helping one of the local people build their or put a new roof on their house um, and um, but it just changed it changed me it changed everything mm-hmm. for me and I, I can look back on that as a major point in time where my life was changed I came in I encountered Jesus in a way that I hadn't before and um, I think that's well, that's what we need. We we all need to. It was stepping outside of myself, stepping outside of my comfort zone, broadening my experience of the world um, and what goes on all around us. That lit me up. It mm-hmm. wasn't mm-hmm. Um, a right. deeper understanding <clears throat> of the Catholic faith as practiced in the 1940s um, or <laughs> which is not you know I, I think what's fascinating and is you know certainly about our church is it it's it is ancient and there we have so many um, traditions and lines of uh, of things going back years and years and those things are are good. They're like family history. You know, you like to hear stories about your your family, or like, well, my family has always gotten when we eat, we eat this thing together or something. And those traditions are are fun and they're important and they're beautiful and they're part of who we are. But if they ever supplant the reason, you know, um, well, we my family doesn't love each other. But we still do, we still eat this meal that we always ate or something. Who cares? You know, if, if you, mm-hmm, if we don't, mm-hmm. if we, if, if the family is not at its core based on love, then all of these external things mean nothing. And I, I, I think that it's, I, I understand, you know, if someone were to come in my house when I was young and, and say, well, um, <laughs> this is so stereotypical, sort of Italian thing, but it's like you can't have you know you can't have pasta anymore. That's not right, or something. You know, I would have felt disconnected from my from who I was. Um, but and so I truly do understand people's attachment to their devotions and to their their 
the eyes that they have for you know how a church should look, how it make how it makes them feel when they walk in. I, I understand the attachment to that, but it's not more important than the poor. It's not more important than Jesus. Um, it's not more important than um, making sure that other people have what they need. Um, for to sustain well, well we need more money for the church so that we can make it look the way that we want it then after that we'll give whatever we can maybe to the poor or to different organizations and I think that's that's not the perspective that we need to have well uh, it's, I think one of the issues is that that's you know, there, we really are struggling with. Um, it's it's good to remind ourselves on I think the day of the poor that, you know, there is a such thing as justice, and uh, you know, in the Catholic teaching, um, you know, we have something called the universal destination of goods, and so <clears throat> God created the world for everybody. God created. Uh, natural resources they should be used by all and it, it certainly the church has always promoted uh, private property um, but with a <clears throat> with a caveat that private property even should serve the common good and so when the church when this has kind of changed a lot of my ways of thinking with taxation you know um, when we think of taxes when I was kind of going into missions, you know, I used to think of there was this guy who wanted to do this like flat tax. Everyone mm -hmm. paid the same, you know, and, and it seemed kind of like, wow, that seemed kind of, I think he called it the fair tax or something like, like that. It's refresh. The simplicity is refreshing. Yeah. Isn't it? The problem with it, though, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's actually a very unjust tax. Um, and you could think about it as you think of your family. Um, you know, as Catholics, we call the family the cell of society, and society we see as a large family in a way. Um, if if I were to go this morning, it's Saturday, we do our Saturday chores, and I said, look, today I want to be fair. Every one of you, um, seven kids, are going to have the same exact amount of chores. Well, you're going to have Moses, who's got the, you know, he's Most our 14-year-old. He's going to be thrilled, you know, <laughs> he's going to be so happy and, and probably Elijah, who's 12, will also be thrilled and Micah, you know, who's 11. The three of them, they're going to be jumping off the walls, so excited, they'll be done with their chores in no time. Now, my my son Isaac, who's kind of like in the middle here, he's, he's not, he's not going to see a whole lot of change, but all of a sudden, my daughter Gemma, who's six, she's gonna have a really hard time and my two-year-old forget it and then we've got the baby who's not even gonna understand the, the concept and that's kind of a lot what we see in society is that there is a certain basic um, we, we all have our needs but once those needs are met we have like a lot of extra resources some people and others still haven't even met those basic needs and you know the when we think about the poor, uh, 
so often we think when we hand them, you know, we give them a little here or there. We call it charity. You know, what, what's been surprising to me and actually quite refreshing is that the church, you know, does not call that charity. And that's kind of an important thing is that, you know, the church talks about mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that that's actually justice. justice. And, um, and there are many saints um, that kind of follow in this idea that, look, when you give the poor... Um, you know something from your leftover from your um you're not actually giving them um you're not actually giving them charity you're just giving them what's already theirs yeah uh and and i think that's something that it's it's a little bit hard for us to to kind of um come to grasp with but the idea is kind of like uh, you know, we have the blessings that we have. Uh, we have the resources that we have. God has given them to us. We haven't earned them uh, kind of in an absolute sense. God sends the sun. God sends the rain. The rains bring the harvest. You know, the harvest brings this and that. It's all related. And when we have um, a lot, you know, we have more is expected us of us to to whom more is given more is expected and the church teaching is actually that you know we have private property we have uh in the church even includes technological property um in order to serve others and i think that's such like a such an important uh you know that we have this um we have this you know, there's a, a section here in the Ducat I just loved, and it said, uh, you know, the right to private property must never be considered absolute. This is true of public goods, but also something even as simple as a cell phone. Consequently, consequently, I must let another person use my phone if he needs help and must make an emergency call. Private property should serve only as an instrument for the better management of the Earth's goods. And I think that's really important to us on world on um, the world day of the poor because, in a certain sense, we're being called back to living more justly, you know. And the reason why it's important to go back to justice is because justice, one thing that's different between love or mercy, which is a form of love, and justice is that justice. Uh, is something that mercy can never be and that is a moral requirement we're not required to be merciful we're exhorted to be merciful you can ask someone to be merciful you could um, you know you could plead mer have mercy on me you're not required to be merciful though it's not a moral obligation but justice is a moral obligation and so on the world day of the poor we're reminded of our moral obligations to the poor. We're not simply being exhorted, as so often we see, to kind of give more. This is why I personally, uh, I'm very suspicious of the idea of, you know, let's just do away with taxes and have, um, you know, religious organizations and, and, and individuals give, uh, and that will be the way we help the poor. And the reason I'm suspicious is because 
people never I, I rarely meet people who give as much as they're taxed they complain that they're taxed too much they don't usually give more than that uh, usually I find and again I'm not speaking of every person but you know taxes are there the government uh, taxes us and there's a way we can you know give our taxes in such a way that we offer it up you know we talk always about offering up things uh, in the Catholic faith how many people have ever thought of offering up our taxes uh, for the souls in purgatory mm. paying our taxes for the living yeah. souls even but I think that so often uh, you know we we're taught we, we just are kind of um, conditioned in America to see government as a bad thing to see the poor as lazy we have these kind of caricatures that we live by and that's just not the reality of the way the church looks at uh, the world in general including government and the poor yeah it's interesting. I, I, um, so go, going back to the, what you said about mercy and justice, um, it, how, I don't know, it seems to me like mercy is, would be a moral, a moral imperative, or, in this, like, I mean, Jesus commands us to be merciful. Right, right. And and I would say that, um, you know, when we're... I guess what we could say is, is as Christians, you know, we're exhorted to be merciful as our right. Father is merciful. We're exhorted to be perfect as our Father is perfect. Um, but it's different than, for example, um, if... I owed you five dollars right um, and I said no I'm just gonna keep that I stole it from you that would be breaking one of the commands in the scriptures it would just be it would be morally wrong I would be uh, I would be committing a crime against you and an, an injustice against you yeah and then let's say that you came up to me and said um, you know, I'm really, I'm trying to get to my mom's house. I need $5 for my bus ticket. And I said, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm going to keep that $5 because I really want to go use it on whatever other thing. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have committed any type of injustice against you because I wasn't required to give to you. But it may be that I have compassion and I feel mercy towards you, and I give you that five dollars. But it, it wasn't a requirement, and that's why that what that's what allows for mercy to be a virtue, whereas justice isn't necessarily a virtue; it's a requirement. So, um, when we think of uh, okay, so yeah, I mean that's why it's important if we rearrange. Um, just justice and charity then we it we see okay this thing things that we often see as charity are actually justice and we are required to do them right yeah. but charity the way charity informs justice is that it allows us to act justly but in joy and wholeheartedly 
and goes beyond justice in the sense that justice is the desire to give God and our neighbor what's due to them. Love goes beyond that and not only gives them what to do, but wants what's good for them, which then like leads to new avenues of relationship and and action. And so um, I do think though that it's important to think at some of the, about some of these is that, you know, when in a certain sense, going back to that family model, like, you know, it might seem just Moses sitting around with all of his teenage friends and saying, this stinks, look how much, like, you know, Aaron, who's our, um, you know, three-week-old, mm-hmm. that Aaron doesn't do a thing. Yeah. He just leeches off of, like, he's poops the diapers. <laughs> Most of the garbage cans right now are filled, and that's actually the truth in the back part of the house. Uh, they're filled with diapers and wipes and... <clears throat> He's, he keeps us up at night. Like, I mind my own business. I do my own thing. You know, I work hard. And, uh, you know, but I gotta, I have to do so much. So many chores. I have to watch him. Why should I have to watch him? Am I my brother's keeper? You know, like, <laughs> you could kind of blow this up into Welcome to America. You know, mm-hmm. like, how many of those who are more financially mature... Uh, you know, just, and, and I didn't ever experience that in this country cause I've never really felt, <clears throat> um, wealthy. Then I went to missions Yeah. <clears throat> and, you see. Yeah. and it's like, wait a minute, I'm probably one of the, you know, top, I'm in the top echelon of the society here, yeah. even though I don't have an income, even though I'm living off of benefactors. Um, gracious donations and even though much of what we do is with alms nevertheless like I'm looking around at people who have nothing yeah they don't even have people to ask for that you know that's one of the and I mean we often and even just my education you know just the fact that even if I had no money um, the education and life experiences that I've been afforded yeah are you know priceless and we don't always think about that uh i think yeah um one of the things i underlined in what pope francis said in in, uh i guess number four of his uh, of this letter okay he says uh poverty is the yardstick that allows us to judge how best to use material goods um and if I'm understanding it correctly, it would be uh, that is to say that the fact that there is poverty means we're not using material goods, or the fact that there's the level of poverty that there is means we're not doing it right. There's, mm-hmm. We're not. There's something wrong. Um, if people are starving, if people are dying of the most common diseases that we could, you know, fix just by going to Walgreens or some pharmacy. I don't want to plug Walgreens, uh, (laughs) which now I've said twice and now we're we're focusing on, but um, I can edit that out if I want. Uh, I'll put, I'll just put 
like I'll bleep it out and overdub it with pharmacy. Right. Okay. Um. Anyway. Uh. The <laughs> now I got myself completely off track. What was? Um. Well, yeah, we're not. Something is wrong. Something's wrong when people are don't have the basics uh, for life. I was talking to um, Kevin last night, and um, he, he he said, "So I, you know, I don't know if this is where he got this statistic, and it sounds like it could, it could be true." Um, he said, "The top eight most." What, like the top eight wealthiest people, singular people, the top eight wealthiest people in the world have as much money as the bottom 3.4 billion people in the world. Like the, the poorest people in the world, which is like the lower half of the, the wealth hierarchy. There are 3.4 billion people. That's their collective wealth. Mm-hmm. Is the same as the top <clears throat> eight. Um, that you know is that's inequality. It's injustice, and by that yardstick, there's something clearly wrong. So this isn't. And, you know, I don't know. It is complicated. I know that Jesus said that poor you will always have with you. But that's... I think that, you know, that's that... That's um, It's an interesting quote, that one, because, uh, you know, what's funny to me is that I have had people say that quote to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but I'm like, well, where are the poor with you? Like, you look around uh, and yeah. are they in your neighborhood? Uh-huh. Are they at your church? Are they at your table? Because these people, they, yeah. uh, you know, quote these type of things, the poor you always have with you, but Jesus really did have them with him. Yeah. And yet we as wealthy, the wealthier you get, and I'll just be honest with you, it seems like <clears throat> um, the temptation for all of us, uh, even as missionaries, you know, if somebody came right now and gave FMC like $2 million, would we, how would we use that? Would we feel like, well, now we need to fix a bunch of things. Now we need to live better. Now we need to build more. Now we need to have like a bigger uh, office or a bigger chapel or a bigger this or that. I think it's a temptation. It's everyone uh, faces. Um, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think this line for me is like one of the key things of this whole document of uh, the whole teaching of <clears throat> the church on the poor is right after what you read in, in section four. This is the beginning of the second paragraph. Um, he says precisely because. St. Francis kept his gaze fixed on Christ. He was able to see and serve him in the poor. And I think as Catholics, it's something we have to constantly like remind ourselves that we encounter Jesus in the poor. At the end of our lives, we're not going to be given a catechism test. 
We're not going to be given a test on, you know, priests will, you will not be given a um, test on how well you celebrate the mass, on how long you hold up your, the Eucharist at the consecration. I've heard so many complaints, one or another, so many judgmental remarks about, you know, that priest isn't holy because he didn't hold up his hands long enough or something. None at the when Jesus, when we stand before him, he's going to be asking us about the works of mercy. And one of those is, you know, uh, when I was hungry, you know, what did you, you gave right. me food or when I was hungry, you didn't. Yeah. And, um, so I think when we, uh, the challenge that we need to pray for this, and I do too, um, is that our eyes and our hearts would be opened. And that's really what this day is all about, is not to solve all the problems. You can't do that in a day, obviously. But kind of to remind ourselves that we encounter Jesus in the poor, that we encounter Jesus in the prisoner, that we encounter Jesus in the thirsty and the hungry and the naked and those who have no one to defend them. Um, that's where we find Jesus, not in the pew. Yes, we do encounter him truly uh, in the real presence of the Eucharist. Yes, we encounter him, uh, his voice in the scriptures. Um, and yes, we encounter him where two or more are gathered. Uh, but in a, in a special way, in a way that you might say um, is involves our moral character, involves the very entry that we will have to be with God uh, from now and eternity, is involved in recognizing His presence and serving His presence uh, through the works of mercy. Uh, you know, that's what we're going to be judged on. That's kind of going to be the, the key into, um, into the pearly gates, if you will. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be, you know, how did we encounter Christ in the poor? Did we do it with love? And, you know, again, going back to this family image, you know, there are going to be many people uh, throughout the world who are just that crying little Aaron um, wetting their diapers and really having, in a certain sense, uh, very little to offer, very little to offer society. Um, I think of, you know, the handicapped, I think of, uh, you know, the unborn, but we're called to, you know, reach out for, to them. And on this special day, we're called um, to be mindful of those who have less than us and I think that's really the key is we always think of the rich as like those eight guys and and <laughs> right. then that kind of ends there right you know but right. but rich is simply it's always a um it's always relative I saw a preview to a movie last night it looks really interesting called downsizing hmm. and um it's basically like the um the the world they're afraid of overpopulation you know that whole myth and they come up with a way to shrink people it's with matt damon's the main oh, actor oh yeah. and so they create this whole huge 
world uh, and they shrink people down to about three inches um, and then those people they always will live the rest of their life that size in this like artificial world but yeah. it will the amount of resources they consume is less but also their money at one uh, one part of the preview they're saying like you make you have you know fifty thousand dollars in savings or something like that but that will translate in mini world or whatever to like 1.2 million or something like that because <laughs> it'll buy so much more when you can get full off of like crumbs you know <laughs> and they're just like whoa and they uh and that's that's the thing is riches are truly relative and um you know that's something that we need to keep in mind because you are rich it just depends on everyone listening to this probably to some extent uh is wealthy yeah. depending on the relative model that you use and i think today we're called to look for those who have less than us which shouldn't be hard to find yeah. uh, to be mindful of them and really not just to pray for them but to begin relationships i i like um the the final sentence of the Pope's message here um, he says the poor are not a problem they are a resource from which to draw as we strive to accept and practice in our lives the essence of the gospel mm. um, I think it it's and I react this way too even I mean I, I, I think my attitude is, has, has changed quite a bit but for most of my life, a world day of the poor would be a sort of repulsive thing. Like, I don't want to, okay, I don't really want to think about that. Um, and I'm, I'd rather ignore it because it makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, I've, praise God, uh, I've recognized that feeling uncomfortable is often a way for me to be better. Um, putting myself, you know, viewing those things that I don't want to see. And so I think in that, it's in that sense that the Pope's, well, and in many others, the Pope says the poor are not a problem. We, we've talked about this before on the podcast. We need them so that we can be loving. We need them so that we, they, we can encounter Jesus. Um, we need them so that we can actually practice the gospel. And so today, in a sense, it it, it shouldn't just be, um, shouldn't be something about total sorrow. You know, that there, this is a call to joy, a call to go to our brothers and sisters and be with them. And, and it means sharing in their, sorrows as well um but it means a fuller life and a better understanding of humanity and um and that's good and i i think we'll as i've been i've been richly uh rewarded in my pursuit of the poor and um I just encourage any of you who um, are looking for Jesus, any of you who are looking for meaning in your life, any of you who feel like 
things are things like you're stuck in a rut go out don't look at yourself anymore um don't criticize yourself anymore don't tear yourself apart anymore go out and be with other people be with our poor brothers and sisters stop i mean if 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 what it takes is stopping your car and talking to someone on the side of the road do it you know um i i i <laughs> i don't want to you you know what i mean i don't want to I'm not trying to put anyone in harm's way. Be prudent, but not so prudent that you that that we ignore every need that we see. You know. Um, so that uh, brings us toward the toward the end. If there's anything else you wanted to say, Jonathan, you want to close? Um, yeah, I'd l- I would okay. love to. Uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we. We're thankful for um, the gift of uh, poverty, Lord, the gift of the poor, evangelical poverty. And we just, uh, we ask you, Lord, that you'd open our eyes to see our brothers and sisters uh, who are suffering, who have less than us, however little it might be or, or great, uh, or... or uh, However, little less than us, or greatly less than us, um, I just ask that you would give us courage, uh, that we wouldn't believe all the lies that are um, told about the poor and the misfortunate, Lord. But that we would seek to have personal experience and to know them, Lord. To ask questions, to listen to their stories, to listen to their joys and their sorrows. Um, to see them smile, to hear of their families, uh, of their children. Lord, that we would have the courage to listen to their stories and to discover you uh, in those who have great need. I pray that today could be a day uh, throughout the world where um, those who are marginalized, those who do feel um small uh, would feel great love and uh, I just offer all of this uh, up to you Father God um, through the hands of uh, a poor woman from uh, (coughs) um, Bethlehem or not from Bethlehem but uh, who gave birth to your son in Bethlehem uh, our mother Mary I just ask that you would pray for us, Mother, that you would um, give us tender hearts, loving hearts. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless all of you. We love you. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Or we won't be seeing each other. We'll be hearing. And anyway. <laughs> all right. 
Bye. We're out. We appreciate you listening to today's podcast. Please tune in again next week, and we look forward to seeing you. May God bless you.